Well, hi, friends. How are we doing today? It's a good day. Is it not? If you're new here, you heard my full name. I am Lauren Ashley Scott. I'm on staff here. Um, I'm going to be 30 in a few months, so pray for me. Um, No, but I'm really grateful for today. Can we start and can we just pray together? Um, there are some really, I mean, all of us are really special in this room, but there's some really special people in this room that we get to celebrate today, what God's doing in their life. And I don't take that lightly. And I just really want his spirit to be present in us, to be open to what he wants to do. So would you, would you just right now bow your heads where you are and let's just invite him in. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your nearness. We thank you that you are always with us. We know that you're here right now. And so we just ask that you'd open our hearts and open our minds that we might be fully awake and aware of what you're saying, of what you're doing, that we might be fully present in celebrating our friends who are, who are walking from death to life today, who are celebrating and declaring publicly that they want it to be known on the earth and in the heavens that they're saying yes to Jesus. Would we celebrate that? Would we honor that? Would we stand with them in that? And we'd, we thank you who's made it all possible today. God, we love you. We honor you. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Y'all, there's like at least a few dozen friends in here who are getting baptized. And if that's you, would you stand right now? Go ahead. Stand up. I see some t-shirts sitting down. Go ahead and stand up. Stand on up. Oh, this is a good day. Stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. Listen, Romans 6 says that what happens, keep stay standing, stay standing. What happens in baptism is this, is that when you go under the water, you leave the old life of sin behind. And that when you come up out of the water, you enter into a whole new realm of grace. It says that when you're lowered into the water, it's like the burial of Jesus. And when you come up, it's like the resurrection. So I don't know, friends, what your old life has carried. I don't know if it carried addiction. I don't know if it carried lawlessness. I don't know if it car- I don't know what it carried for you. What kind of sin? What kind of disobedience, dishonesty, pain, pornography, alcoholism, marital woes, infidelity? I don't know what it carried, but today your new life begins. Today we draw a line in the sand and we tell the gates of hell you absolutely will not prevail in me, in my life, in my family. And I tell a community and a family of people that I'm all in for Jesus now. That's what happens today. We make that declaration because you've already given your life to the Lord. So can I just speak some promises over you about who you are in Christ now? You are free from the law of sin and death. You are a child of God. God is for you and no one can stand against you. You're washed and sanctified. You are a new creation in Christ. You're a saint. You're a holy one. You've been blessed with every single spiritual blessing under heaven. You've been bought with a price and you belong to God. He loves you. He sees you where you are and covers you with a blanket of his grace. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You've been forgiven and freed of all sin, all mistakes, and you have no regret from here on out because he loves you and he makes all things work together for your good. 
I mean, and we could go on and on. You're a citizen of heaven. You worry about nothing. You pray about everything. You're kept by the power of God through faith. You have eternal life. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You can stand before the living God and worship him freely and fully. And he sees you with the righteousness of Christ. You've been adopted into a family. You have a community of people in this room. And honestly, the church and the entire world who are standing and cheering you on. Unless we forget that all of heaven right now is singing and rejoicing. And angels in real time are surrounding the throne of God as they sing holy, holy, holy. They are rejoicing because you are going to spend forever there with them. It is a good day, my friends. So we celebrate you today. We honor you. And just know the Lord is so proud of you. He's a father with a big smile on his face, taking you by the hand and his spirit's hovering over those waters and you're gonna walk in with him and everything changes from here on out. And maybe you don't feel it today. Maybe you don't tangibly, physically feel it, but in the spiritual realm, in the spirit, something shifts when you come out of that water. Something changes, and by faith we know it, and as you lean into his word, and in community, and in the fellowship of believers, day by day, you're going to experience more and more victory, and more and more freedom, and more and more goodness and mercy, because he says that's what follows you for the rest of your life. So take a good look at these friends standing up. Y'all can take a seat. I'm just, oh, now y'all, now I'm lit. So listen, we in a few moments are going to get to celebrate every single one of these friends who are saying yes to Jesus today. And as I spent time in prayer about this day and about what the Lord might want to say and what it means and, 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 and how he could use me in this moment, I've got to tell you that, that there's another group of people that he's laid on my heart in this moment. And truthfully, don't be freaked out, but even in prayer and spending time with him, when I have my eyes closed, I've seen some of your faces flash before my eyes, show up in my spirit. And some of the faces that I've seen, I recognize you, but I don't even know all of your names. We're kind of a big church, trying to learn everybody's names. I I really want to get name tags one day. But genuinely, I've seen some of your faces as I've gone before the Lord about this moment. And I just know that some of you are laid so deeply on his heart. And I want to read a passage that I think is for you. Will you open up with me to Luke 15, verse 8? There's a conversation that's happening in Luke 15. And the Pharisees are talking to Jesus. And they start muttering among themselves when they see him breaking bread with tax collectors and sinners. They're frustrated. They're disgruntled because in their typical Pharisaical fashion, they don't like who he's breaking bread with. And they feel like it doesn't make sense for him to be dining and and to find himself associated with, with people like this, unholy people. And so he draws three parables to tell them how he feels about sinners, how he feels about the one that's far off that others feel like don't get a seat at the table. And the one that I want to look at today is Luke 15, verse 8. It's the parable he tells of the lost coin. And he says this, what woman, if she has 10 silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I found the lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. 
over one person who changes his inner self, who changes his or her old way of thinking, who regrets their past sins and chooses to live a life that seeks God's purpose for their life. See, I, I believe that some of us in this room have had moments in life where we felt like a coin in God's hand. We felt close to him. We were in unbroken relationship with him. We knew he treasured us in the way that the woman treasured that coin. We knew that when he saw us, he was pleased. We knew that we were invaluable to him. We knew that our life was of significance to him. We knew that he deeply cared for us. And so we trusted him and gave him every area of our life. And I believe that some of you in the past, you knew you were that coin in his hand and then something happened and you slipped through his fingers. Something happened and you turned your back. Something happened and you walked away. Maybe you suffered in a way that made you feel like God wasn't real or good. Maybe the Christian life just felt too laborious for you and you just were over it. Maybe none of your friends were there to walk with you and you felt alone. I don't know what it was, but I believe that there's at least one person in this room who knows what it's like to have once walked with Jesus and then to all of a sudden be lost. To have tasted what it's like to be in his hand and to know the distance that's created when you fall out of it. And I think to that one or two or 10 or everyone in the room who's ever felt that, I just believe by the spirit that there's somebody who's wondering if he cared when you slipped through his hands. Like you've been asking him, did it matter to you? Do you notice me? There's so many other Christians in the world. There's so many people doing great things for God. Maybe you don't need me close to you anymore. Maybe I'm good. And friend, if that's you today, I wanna tell you, he felt it when you left his hand. If that's you today, I want to tell you that your life matters to him. That the state of your soul, the state of your relationship to him matters to him. Do you know that every day we walk past coins in parking garages and parking lots and in our cars and they mean nothing? He had 10 in his hand and if he lost one, he hears the sound hits the ground. And just like the scripture says, God has been searching carefully for you. everywhere. And I am convinced that even right now in every area of your life, if you would open your eyes, if you'd begin to pay attention, he's trying to get your attention. He is carefully searching for you like a woman who so values her day's worth of wages that even though she has nine other days, she searches her home in the middle of the night, tearing everything apart because she has to find the coin. And don't let the evil one tell you that you're the lost coin that doesn't matter. If he loses one, it's everything to him. He wants you close in relationship to him. And I just believe someone needs to hear that today. See, when you know where home is, I ask the Lord, what what does it mean to be lost? What does it mean to be a lost coin or a lost sheep? When you're lost, you know where home is. You recognize that you're far from it. And you also recognize that you can't get back on your own. And some of you in this room, you know, you know you were knit together in your mother's womb to be in deep, intimate fellowship and relationship with God. See, we were created by a God who's holy, 
who cannot be in the presence of darkness or sin or evil because he's the complete opposite. He has to judge it and put it where it belongs because it gets in the way of everything. And we are humans who chose to go our own way, to walk away from him because we really feel like in our souls, our way is better than his. And then we find out we're wrong every time. Go figure. But you look at this story and and it doesn't say that the coin found its way back to the woman. It says that the woman carefully searched for it when she saw that it was lost. And so Jesus knows you cannot possibly repair your relationship with him out of works, out of perfection, out of striving, out of effort. It's only by his blood. It's the free gift of righteousness. All we have to do is put our faith and trust in him and say, I can't do it, but I believe I was made for this. So all you have to do, if you want the same portion that your friends today who are about to get in the water have, if that's you and you know, I'm far from God. I am living life my own way. I'm doing my own thing and it's destroying me. And it's destroying my family and it's destroying my relationships and it's destroying my soul. If that's you in this room, can I tell you that the God of the universe just wants you to give it to him? Just wants you to say, Jesus, I don't even know what this is about. But if it's true that you suffered to close the gap between me and you, and get rid of my sin and invite me to a new life, I'm in. If you want to be in, you can choose that today. It's never too late. It's never the wrong time. Ephesians 2, it says this. It says, for it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor, that you've been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, but it is the gift of God. It's not a result of your works so that no one can boast or take credit in any way for it. I know that there's somebody in this room who wants to come home. Can I tell you that today can be the day? You can give your life to Jesus right where you are. And maybe you've walked with him. Maybe you've been a Christian all your life, but you haven't ever publicly declared in a house of believers, that you're serious about it, that you want to be all in this time, that it's not a game. That's what the pool is for. If you want community, if you want a family, if you don't want to do it alone anymore, today can be the day. See, Jesus, I believe, even in this moment, is carefully searching for you. There's a scripture that says in Revelation 19, it says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What does that mean? The testimony of Jesus, it means every single time we talk about who God is and what he's done in somebody's life, we open the door, we create an opportunity for him to duplicate that miracle. So when you hear about a marriage being restored and your marriage is in shambles, you hear that and you go, if he did it for them, he can do it for me. When you hear about someone's body being healed and you're sick, you go, if he did it for them, he could do it for me. When you hear about someone's mind getting freed from anxiety and depression or bipolar, you go, if he can do it for them, he can do it for me. And we prophesy as we tell each other over and over and over again who he is and what he's done. We reinforce his character. We reinforce his nature as we tell the stories. And so right here and now, I don't want you to just take my word for it. I want some friends to come out And they're going to share their stories of what God has done in their lives. You guys want to come on out? 
Don't be shy. Can you guys give him a round of applause? This is Isaias, Kayla, Chris, and Heather. These are my friends, guys. They're just gonna tell you a little bit about what it looked like for God to find them when they were lost. Amen? Isaias, what was it like when the Lord carefully searched for you? <laughs> oh, man. Well, I grew up in church. Um, went through the Pentecostal, the Baptist, non-denom, so I, I've been in it all. And... Uh, you know, as a young boy, I wasn't really thinking about how intentional I was about my faith or, you know, wanting to create this relationship with God. It was always something that was kind of just behind me. Um, I remember growing up and, you know, having dads coming in and out of my life, father figures, my grandfather, uh, my actual birth father, my stepfather, always being there, but at some point in time, they would fizzle out. And so for me... Um, Never having that role model in my life was always difficult because I couldn't look to somebody to teach me and show me and discipline me in spaces I needed to. So I began to be entitled to my own opinion, to my own life. I wanted to do my own thing. And I would be in church in this season preaching to little kids or, you know, being in the youth setting and then going to school and choosing to do my own thing, whether that was drinking or cussing up a storm. I quickly realized that my life was two-faced, <laughs> that I was playing double, that I didn't exactly know what my identity was. So God presented this choice to me. It was after I got baptized, and he asked me, well, what do you want to do? <laughs> are you going to be all in for me, or are you just going to continue to do your own thing? It says in Revelation that you're either hot or you're cold. But if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. And for that, I had to realize and make a decision to trust and to follow him fully. <laughs> I had to give my life to him. I had to submit to him. I had to be intentional with it. Because no matter how many times a father figure in my life left, he never did. So good. Kayla. Hi, friends. Hi. Um, so Jesus found me completely shackled. Um, and I like to say this in a sense that I was not only just spiritually, emotionally, mentally shackled, I was physically shackled. Growing up, I did not necessarily go to church. I didn't have a church home. Jesus was not a main conversation inside of my home. So I did not know what Jesus looked like, how to find him, who he was. As I got older, I had my own childhood trauma. I had my own anger, my own resentment. I was shackled by rejection and abandonment, by my depression, by my anxiety. When Jesus found me, I was actually an agnostic. So that meant that I, it wasn't that I didn't believe there was a God. I just didn't know that it was Jesus. So Jesus found me shackled. Because while I was shackled by that anger, that resentment, that hatred, those shackles in itself put me into jail. And Jesus found me, 
on the bottom of a floor full of cement walls, cement flooring, metal bedding. Don't ever go to jail. It's not a good time. You would not enjoy that whatsoever. Um, and I was sitting there facing a felony at 19 years old. I thought my entire life was over. I was hopeless. I was broken. I was in despair. I thought there was nothing left for me, and I have just ruined it. And that moment when I was sitting in that cell, I said, God, well, if you're real, then show me. And I genuinely wanted to know. I genuinely wanted to see him. I genuinely needed something, someone, because I had nothing. There was no one who could save me in this point in time, not even myself. So here comes a correctional guard. Um, and I'm like, hey, can I get a book or something? I'm losing my mind in this cell. She brings me a book. The book that she brings me are stories or excerpts from the Bible. And the book that God showed me that day was the book of Job. And I sat there and I read all that happened to Job, all the pain, everything he lost, every way he was tormented, and that his faith stayed steadfast regardless. And in that steadfast faith, God blessed him with more, with abundant, even though he lost everything. And I felt just like Job. I felt like I lost it all. I felt like I lost everything. And at that moment, I'm thinking like, well, if God can do that for Job, can he do that for me? Can he save me? Can he help me? I then went into this state of prayer without ceasing, which I did not know was at this time, but I'm just talking to God. We're just having conversations. I'm just like, hey, I need you. I can't do this without you. I don't know what's going on. I'm not this person, I promise. As I begin to walk into the courtroom, this is the place where they're going to determine what happens to me next. Am I going to get jail time? Am I going to go to prison? What money do I have to pay in the meantime? All these things. And I stayed in that prayer. I was shackled at my ankles. I was shackled at my wrists. There was nowhere I could possibly go. My head was down, and I was deep in this prayer. And I just was like, God, this is you. I believe in you. I trust in you. I have faith that you will show up. I walk into this courtroom, and here are the prosecutors over here talking about who I am. They're telling me, hey, you know, she's a menace to society. She's up for two to three years in prison. This is what she deserves. But God, the judge looks at me, looks at the prosecutors, and he said, let her go. So, but God, because only God could do that. <laughs> only God could save me in that moment. And that was the first time I met God. That was my first time knowing that this is who God is, that God is full of miracles, that God is full of love, that God is full of grace, that he wants to free you, each and every person, all of his children. He wants you to be free, that Jesus is freedom. So today... I'm really excited, and I'm full of joy, and I'm just, just so happy. I can say that after that moment, I fumbled. I didn't really know how to find God again because I didn't have a community. Again, i never been to church, right? I never even did this before. Like, how do I navigate this Jesus thing? I had no idea. Uh, so there was a whole entire few years of coming and going and coming and going until this last time. He said, no, 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 no. 
I want you. So today is my second time getting baptized. <laughs> I was baptized the first time at 21 when we had the baptism announced. God was like, I want you to do it again. And I'm like, yes, God. And on top of that, my mother is getting baptized today, full of rejoice. Yes. And on top of that, my grandma is here at church today, and she never comes with us. So I am full of joy because God is breaking shackles generationally right now. Period. Chris, tell us about it. Well, I'm Chris, and a lot like Esaias, I grew up in church. Um, my, we spent years in a Presbyterian church, and then when I was in high school, my dad decided he was going to take us to a non-denominational church, and I learned that Jesus was a more personal God than I'd experienced before. And um, at that church at that time, they would have these altar calls where they would say, if, if you want to give your life to Christ, you can come down in front, in front of, I don't know, 1,500 people, and you can do that. I wasn't about to do that. Um, I wanted to do that, but I, I instead um, called and asked the pastor if I could meet with him and sit in his office and pray the prayer with him, and he did. And I gave my life to Christ as a senior in high school. And then three months later, I went to college and forgot about it, walked away from it. Um, a little bit like Esaias, too. I felt like in my college years, I had this faith background, and yet I was, I was two-faced. Like, I'm, I'm living a life, but I'm not, this is not who I'm called to be. But it wasn't enough to, like, stir anything in me. I just kept doing what I wanted to do. And so uh, fast forward a bunch of years, and uh, I get married, and my wife and I decided that we wanted to get back to church. She grew up in church as well, and so we're like, it's time that we make a decision to get back to it. So we just started going to church in Belvedere, and we knew that when our kids came along that we wanted them to have a, a faith background. And uh, so we got invited to come here in 1998-99, and I was re- introduced to a God who is personal, um, who really wants a relationship with me. It was not about showing up on Sundays and trying to be good the rest of the week. It was about having a relationship with him. And I also discovered things like community, spending time with people who are surrounding you with other people that are like-minded, um, who have your best interest at heart. I learned that for guys, getting in a group with other guys who are chasing after the same thing is super important. Um, and over the years, I've gained a lot of guys who I can call at any hour of the day and tell them exactly what's going on and there's no shame, there's no condemnation. Um, and that's been a huge thing for me. And so, like you, I am getting got baptized again in 2011 um, as an adult because I felt like I had made that decision on my own and I gave my life to Christ again. And um, it's been a, a, a miracle for me to realize that there's a God that never keeps looking after you. Like, like uh, Lauren said, He's constantly chasing you down. I look back, and I look back at those years in college, and I think, how many potholes, how many ditches did he keep me out of? How many times could I have derailed my life? How many stupid decisions did he save me from? Um, well, I actually made the stupid decisions. He just saved me from the consequences of what he did. Um, there's a poem called Footprints, um, where you, uh, the author is talking about how She's walking with God, and, and there's a, two sets of footprints in the sand through the story. And all of a sudden, she questions because now there's, she only sees one set of footprints. Um, and the author says that's because eventually God speaking and says, child, I started carrying you. Um, and that's been my story uh, during that period um, where I just, I ignored him, and he still chased after me. Um, and so as an adult, I said yes to him again and found community and faith 
as an adult and in community, and it's just been, it's been a gift. So good. Heather. Hello, friends. My name's Heather, and I'm a, I have a story kind of like Kayla's. Uh, not a lot of church in the background, so we did have this amazing grace from the time I was about six to ten. Uh, my mom took us to church, and so I always thought that was because my parents had made an agreement with their, with my mom's grand, with my mom's parents, to raise us Catholic. And so apparently, their obligation was met once I had completed baptism and first communion. So we did that all pretty quick, and it was kind of like checking a box. Um, actually, just this week, I think that it was God's grace and. My life because my mom was going through a really hard time and she just needed to be near God at that time. So at about eight, something happened that wasn't a great thing. And maybe you've experienced that too, where something happens and you're like, I don't, I don't think this is a really great thing. And over time, uh, especially after we left church and I was 10, I started questioning, like, does God love me? Is he for me? It, will he protect me? I don't feel very loved or protected. And so just a little bit of doubt kind of went into play. Just, just like a tiny bit. So like God was here and I was here. And there was just this little bit of doubt and this little bit of distance. And that was at 10. And then as life went on, it became a little bit more doubt and a little bit more distance. And then by the time I was 28, <laughs> thank you, Carrington, it had become a lot of doubt and a lot of distance. And my life was a train wreck. I mean, anybody that knew it, the sin wasn't hidden. My choices weren't hidden. Nothing was hidden from anybody. I tried to hide it. I tried to ignore it. I tried to run from it. But I was just doing the best I could because I didn't have God. I was just living. And then one night on a bunk bed on a Christian retreat, I realized I had heard the story of the lost son and how the father came running after the lost son. And I thought, gosh, I wonder if he could do that for me. And I laid in bed that night, and it felt like hours. I confessed all the ways that I didn't trust God to be good to me and all the ways that I doubted and all the choices that I had made. And you know what he said to me? Daughter, you've had a God-sized hurt that you've been trying to heal on your own. It wasn't ever yours to carry. And then he took this ball and all those things that I've ever done and all those mistakes and all those choices and slowly walked me through each one of them over years. It was five and three quarters years from the time I gave my heart to God to the time I was baptized. And in that time, he showed me where he was in every single situation and he redeemed them. He made me his own. He called me. He showed me that he loved me, that he called me by name, that he had me in the palm of his hand. And he has that for you too. This isn't just for me. This is for everybody. So if you are that person where you've had 
a little bit of doubt or a little bit more doubt or a whole lot of doubt, will you trust him for it? Jump in the pool, see what he does. Can we give it up for them one more time? And really, can we give it up for Jesus who made all these stories their stories? How often is somebody just moving a beach ball off the stage at church? Man, I really, um, I'm just really grateful that Jesus does this, that he takes our old and makes it new. And so if you're in this room and you're getting baptized right now, this is your moment. You guys want to stand on up and head to the pool to check in with our staff? This is what we came for. And if you're in this room right now and you didn't register to get baptized and you weren't planning on getting baptized, you know, there's a scripture that says that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his plans are often not our plans. So if you're feeling that holy stirring, if your heart is racing, if you're trying to sink in your chair, if you're looking for permission, you already have it, my friend. Today can be the day that you declare before heaven and on earth that your life is way better lived with Jesus in community than alone. So if you know that's you, we have clothes for you in the back. You don't even have to worry about it. I promise we have everything in every size. We came ready for you. And this is your invitation. So you can head back if that's you, if you're feeling the stirring. Amen. You guys want to stand? The whole room, just stand for a minute. Our friends are getting ready in the pool. These are really sacred moments that we get to live together. Where in real time, we get to watch the ones that God loves, that he created, that he formed in our spiritual family say yes to life with him. Yes to publicly declaring that the old is gone, that the new has come, that who they've been, they no longer have to be. That they've experienced life bound and that they wanna live free.